Once upon a time, there was a network that provided premier entertainment in the late 1940s and early 1950s for hundreds of thousands of Americans across the country. There was a network that pioneered dramas, sitcoms, television movies, and sporting events, but nearly nothing left of it survives today. This is the story of the Dumont Network on the Lost Media Podcast with me, Justin Roberts. In the earlier days of television, Dumont joined ABC, CBS, and NBC as one of the major television networks. Think of it as an earlier version of Fox. Although Alan B. Dumont, the founder of the Dumont Network, had been working in television since 1935, and in 1942 purchased two television stations, WABD in New York and WTTG in Washington, D.C., the beginning of Dumont is considered to be August 9th, 1945. It was on this day when that New York station connected to that Washington, D.C. station to announce the bombing of Nagasaki, Japan by the United States. Dumont's first regularly scheduled program, Serving Through Science, aired nearly a year later on August 15, 1946. The next year, Dumont would begin creating more regular programming. As programming expanded at Dumont, so did its reach. Dumont would add a third station in Pittsburgh, WDTV, and work out relationships with existing television stations in almost every major market to air Dumont programming. But how was this programming saved, you might ask? Most of Dumont's programming was on Kinescope at one point. Kinescopes were rudimentary versions of videotapes developed in the 1940s. This is the way most television stations saved their programming. The way kinescopes worked were the stations filmed the monitors within the studio while the television show was being broadcast. These recordings were saved on either 16mm or 35mm film. Most kinescopes were created to broadcast live shows on tape delay for the West Coast. All television shows, news shows, and sporting events aired by Dumont were put on kinescope. Dumont was an innovator of airing sporting events in the early days of television. There were two sports that dominated the airtime on Dumont television stations, professional wrestling and boxing. Dumont's longest-running wrestling program had Jack Brickhouse announcing wrestling matches from Marigold Garden in Chicago every Saturday night. There was also a second wrestling show on Dumont, where announcer Dennis James would travel to different arenas across New York City. Boxing was nearly as popular on Dumont, but there was less money involved in it. Dumont was restricted with travel. Because of this, most boxing bouts aired on the station originated from New York City. James was also Dumont's boxing announcer, and, much like with his wrestling position, he would travel all around the city for the fights. Jamaica Arena, Queens on Monday, Park Arena on Tuesday, White Plains on Wednesday, and Sunnyside Gardens and Dexter Arena on Thursday. Boxing was the last program shown on Dumont prior to the network's fold, with boxing from St. Nicholas Arena signaling the end of the network on August 6, 1956. Dumont also experimented with news broadcasts beginning in the early days of the network. The network's first continuous news program was Walter Compton News. First airing in April 1947, there was minimal production quality to it, with a one-camera setup showing Compton reading from notes. 
1948, three other news programs aired, Camera Headlines, INS Telenews, and Newsweek Analysis. Camera Headlines was a 15-minute newsreel that aired nightly at 7.30, filling in the audience with the domestic stories of the day. INS Telenews broadcast the world news stories of the week. It would air every Tuesday after Camera Headlines. Newsweek Analysis was a weekly interview show hosted by Newsweek Editor-in-Chief Ernest K. Lindley. Interviewees typically included either other Newsweek editors or other television news personalities. Dumont would take a break from its news coverage in the early 1950s, but would have its own news show again in the fall of 1954 with the creation of Dumont Evening News. Anchored by Morgan Beatty, it would run for the final two years of the network's existence. During its 10 years of existence, Dumont produced hundreds of programs, ranging from talk shows to sitcoms to dramas. Some of the network's most popular programming included Cavalcade of Stars, Mary Kay and Johnny, Life is Worth Living, and Captain Video. Here's a little bit of background about each of these groundbreaking television series. Cavalcade of Stars aired on Dumont from June 4, 1949 to September 26, 1952. Comedian Jack Carter was the first host, followed by Jerry Lester. Lester would leave Dumont in 1950, leaving an opening in the host spot. Dumont would recruit then-upcoming comedian Jackie Gleason to take over. From July 15, 1950 to September 26, 1952, Gleason hosted Cavalcade of Stars. The show ended when Gleason left Dumont for CBS. Mary Kay and Johnny was one of television's first sitcoms. Starring the real-life husband-wife duo of Mary Kay and Johnny Stevens, the show ran on Dumont from November 18, 1947 to August 24, 1948. Mary Kay and Johnny was a fictionalized version of the couple's lives in their apartment in Greenwich Village. In a model copied later on by sitcoms like I Love Lucy and Seinfeld, the topics revolved around zany and overblown situations found in everyday life. Mary Kay and Johnny boasts numerous television firsts, including being the first television program to show a couple share a bed, and the first television program to write in a character's pregnancy when Mary Kay was expecting the couple's son, Christopher. The show ended in March 1950 after separate runs on NBC and CBS. Life is Worth Living was a religious television program hosted by Bishop Fulton J. Sheen. Its original run on Dumont lasted from February 2, 1952 to April 26, 1955. After its end on Dumont, the show was picked up by ABC where it ran through 1957. Captain Video and his Video Rangers was a children's show that ran on Dumont from June 27, 1949 to April 1, 1955. The show was hosted by Richard Coogan and later by Al Hodge. The show originally aired in the 7 p.m. time slot Monday through Saturday, but the Saturday time slot was removed in late 1953 and replaced with the spin-off The Secret Files of Captain Video. Captain Video took place in the distant future, where Captain Video, along with his justice-fighting team of the Video Rangers, battled evildoers in order to protect the planet. In all, 1,537 episodes aired during the six-year tenure. Captain Video was considered to be Dumont's biggest success. Despite its successful programming, television wasn't ready for a fourth network channel, and Dumont was the one to suffer. Dumont was battling with the FCC beginning in 1954 due to the FCC's restrictions of the number of VHF stations cities across the country were allowed to have. 
With this being the most popular type of broadcast wavelength for television stations, that meant networks like ABC, CBS, and NBC had an unfair competitive advantage over Dumont. On top of that, the need for Dumont televisions was dwindling, as the popularity of black and white television sets Dumont made were declining. This cut a major, profitable lifeline from the network. With these building financial issues, Dumont was unable to keep their biggest stars from signing with other networks. Jackie Gleason, the biggest star at Dumont, knew the network couldn't pay him nearly as much as he would demand and decided to move to CBS. Bishop Fulton J. Sheen did the same, moving Life is Worth Living to ABC. Dumont tried fighting these financial issues, including proposing a merge with ABC and the sale of their Pittsburgh television station, WDTV, to Westinghouse for $1.75 million. Nothing could make the station profitable. Dumont started dropping its programming and selling its channels and other assets from early 1955 until the end of 1956. Some of the assets sold off included the collection of kinescopes Dumont created of its programming during its 10-year tenure on television. Prior to its sale, the company that spun off for the Dumont network, the Dumont Broadcasting Company, realized the value of the silver with which the kinescopes were created. Still strapped for cash, Dumont Broadcasting Company decided to melt down and sell off part of the video archive in order to inch the company closer to breaking even. Despite this, a large part of the video archive still existed. This wouldn't last long. From the early 1960s to the late 1990s, people were trying to track down the Dumont Video Archive to no avail. No one knew where it had gone. This changed during a March 1996 congressional hearing in which actress Edie Adams told of the whereabouts of the archives. Adams, the wife of Ernie Kovacs, was trying to track down video of her late husband's television specials that aired on Dumont. To the shock of the Senate committee, Adams said the following about her investigation into the DeMont video archive. And I quote, I don't know what happened to the CBS shows, but have recently learned what happened to the DeMont shows. That's the early Jackie Gleason shows, including the original Honeymooners, Captain Midnight, she probably meant Captain Video, and the Kovac specials. Well, they were taken care of in a most unique and swift fashion. In the earlier 1970s, the Dumont network was being bought by another company, and the lawyers were in heavy negotiation as to who would be responsible for the library of the Dumont shows currently being stored at the facility, who would bear the expense of storing them in a temperature-controlled facility, take care of the copyright renewal, etc. One of the lawyers doing the bargaining said that he could take care of it in a fair manner, and he did take care of it. At 2 a.m. the next morning, he had three huge semis back up to the loading dock at ABC, filled them all with stored kinescopes and two-inch videotapes, drove them to a waiting barge in New Jersey, took them out on the water, made a right at the Statue of Liberty, and dumped them in the upper New York Bay. Very neat. No problem. End quote. If Adam's story checked out, then the near entirety of the Dumont Video Archive has sat at the bottom of the upper New York Bay for over 45 years. This makes salvaging any tapes and kinescopes impossible. To further the unfortunate situation, 
Most of the fatalities involved in the archive dump were Dumont's most popular programming. Today, only a fraction of Dumont programming exists, including one episode of Mary Kay and Johnny, 24 of the 1,500 episodes of Captain Video and his Video Rangers, two kinescopes of Newsweek Views the News, and one highlight package of the 1953 NFL Championship. Despite this setback, there have been numerous shows that have survived in almost its entirety, thanks to those that starred in them. The entire run of Life is Worth Living is believed to exist thanks to the estate of Bishop Sheen. Gleason's run on Cavalcade of Stars exists due to Gleason's personal collection, and thanks to Dennis James's personal library, almost all of his boxing and wrestling broadcasts still exist. The most complete collection that still exists of the Dumont Network is the wrestling events broadcast in the New York City and Philadelphia areas. At the time, the Capital Wrestling Corporation, or CWC, was the wrestling promotion that presided in these areas of the country. Owned by Jess McMahon and Vince McMahon Sr. at the time, CWC opted to archive their matches and events separate from Dumont. CWC would be the predecessor of World Wrestling Entertainment, or WWE, the most popular wrestling promotion in the world today. Due to their own archival efforts, WWE and current chairman Vince McMahon Jr. are the owners of nearly the entire Dumont wrestling archive. These collections, along with other sporadic pieces of media, make up the near 350 episodes of original Dumont programming still in existence. Seeing there was an estimated 20,000 pieces of media made during Dumont's 10-year run, this is a microscopic amount of television history that still exists. This also means 98.25% of the history of television's original fourth network is presumed lost forever. It's these pieces of media, along with anecdotes of those involved and those that watched, that are the only proof of the Do Not Network ever existing. Thank you for listening to episode one of the Lost Media Podcast with Justin Roberts. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and rate on iTunes and Spotify. We are also on Twitter and Instagram where we provide some more interesting and fun Lost Media content at Lost Media Pod. Thank you for listening and always remember to stay curious. Stay curious.